that's how you build rivalries, and that's how you build atmosphere. Edwards, three-pointer, it's good! This team is right there with anybody else in, in the country. They are clicking on kind of a different level that we didn't um, that we didn't see this year. Perry for the lead. Oh! He did it again. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Zone Star State Podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again is Ishmael Johnson. And Ish, today we are joined by Andrew Hattersley of. Gigum247 covers Texas A&M. Andrew, how are you doing today? Good, guys. Thanks for having me back on round two of, of doing this. I'm um, excited to be back. Yeah, you got the call back. You got the call <laughs> yeah, back. Yeah, that, that, that got to mean I did something right last year. <laughs> you did something right. <laughs> um, yes, it has been. Well, we had to call you back, especially after A&M had the year that they had last mm-hmm. year. Um, obviously, if we start there, there's so many places you could start within that season because if we go yeah. back to the non-conference season Ish and I came on the podcast and we were like I don't know if Buzz Williams is is like gonna make it through the year yeah. after they lost to Walford and Memphis and they were six and five and we were like I don't know if he's gonna make it and then they go on the run obviously through conference but start at the start of the year or through non-conference play was there panic from to A&M fans and what was your take on, on the non-conference slate? Yeah, I would say after that um, Wofford game, panic was at, at kind of an all time high, you know, obviously Maddie, you've been on, on the boards when people are like, all right, we'll fire up the hot boards. And you're like, okay, well, it's the middle of December. Like we're not, we're not doing that. Like, let's see how the season plays out and all that sort of stuff. But uh, you know, that was a loss that I think, caused the the it, it kind of caused a jolt and a shock around the program of okay we gotta we gotta get this going and it's gotta happen right now and I think that sense of urgency was even felt through the coaching staff through the roster and all that and they went home on that holiday break they came back played kind of two cupcake games to end non-conference and then they go to Florida to start off conference play and I mean gets off to the worst imaginable start you could you could have obviously you know uh the uniforms get left behind at the hotel I and there's the delay oh <laughs> there's the delay to the start of the game they're assessed a technical foul and you know you're thinking okay here we go again you know, like this is the way conference play is going to start but i think one of the big things is and maybe this is kind of leads into i think where there's a sense of optimism this year is there was so much last year of non-conference play trying to figure out, okay, what pieces fit where and what what rotations work best. And there was so much tinkering that once A&M kind of finds their lineup and finds their roles and guys start to figure things out, that's when they, that's when they really took off. Guys like Anderson Garcia were kind of up and down through non-conference play. And then once he figures out his role, what he's supposed to do under Buzz Williams, he turns into, frankly, one of their better players last year, the second half of the year, Julius Marble, another guy that got you know put into the starting lineup at the beginning of conference play, got comfortable playing with Henry Coleman, and and they took off from there. So I think through I think they were really trying to find themselves through non-conference play, and once they shortened down their rotation, went with their guys, that's that's when they started playing a lot better. 
I think a couple the thing with AM the past couple of years for me at least has been kind of like not having that or seemingly not having that alpha player. It was like a really well built roster. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, this year, at least for me, Wade Taylor kind of stepped up into whether or not he is that guy, he feels like the guy that should be in that conversation with one of the best guards in the SEC. I think he's, you know, he's a first team all conference caliber player. Uh, you know, what what did what did what did the kind of the, the elevation from him kind of do for the team this year? Because I think me and Bruni had this conversation after that Wofford game where we're like, who's the guy on this team? Right. We both liked Wade yeah. Taylor, but at that time he hadn't like flashed what I think he eventually did in conference. No, he hadn't. And I think he was that guy. And and if you're gonna have a good team and, and especially to be able to win on the road in the SEC, you've mm-hmm. got to have that guy that it, when things break down, like when you're playing Arkansas at home and, you know, it's kind of getting down to those last couple of minutes of the game, you got to have that guy that can just go get you a, a basket and go get you a bucket. And I agree with you. I think they were kind of unsettled in a way on the, in the backcourt for a little while. You know, you, the year before Quentin Jackson ended up kind of being the guy that took over that point guard role late in the season, Wade Taylor was in there as well. But I think they, they've been missing that guy at point guard that could just kind of be the leader of the team and make things go. And, and I think Wade Taylor kind of stepped into that role. He's never shied away from confidence. That's, that's mm. one thing I will say about him is, you know, I had a chance to cover him in high school. And, you know, he's kind of in the middle of the lane doing behind the back passes to guys. And you're, you're thinking to yourself, that might not work in yeah. the SEC and, and down the line, but he's always kind of had that swagger and, and had that confidence. And I think that started to kind of carry over. He started to figure out a little more to how to play in control, right? That's kind mm-hmm. of the next evolution of his game is what are the smart shots? What are the plays that I need to make that, that can kind of take this team forward, but also that are smart and that are, are within the frame of the offense. Cause Buzz Williams has kind of said the second half of the year, there's shots the way Taylor's going to take that are probably going to be bad shots. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've got to kind of live with that because of everything else he does and all the other offense he creates. Even for a guy like Tyrese Radford, they're both so mm-hmm. good at getting to the free throw line that you live with a bad shot here or there because they'll go get you, you know, three, four tough, tough buckets that can make a difference in a game. The conference slate, for me, it was interesting. Obviously, I'm over here at LSU. LSU went two and sixteen in conference, but I still got yeah. to see everybody at least in, in uh, in person and on the television. But I watched a lot of games, and it was it was hard to figure out how good the SEC was last year for yeah. me. Like you had Arkansas, Missouri, all these teams that were ended up being like you know six, seven, eight, nine seats in the tournament, which made sense. A yeah. and M to come in second in the conference, fifteen and three what was that run like? And then obviously we'll get to the postseason later, but was that surprising to the fans? I feel like. Yeah, I think it was. And I think, you know, they had kind of an on going back to the non-conference, they kind of had a, an honest conversation uh, going back to not only the non-conference, but what happened the year before of, you know, there's going to be times in the season you can't miss opportunities. And A&M knew that they couldn't miss any opportunities given what happened in the non-conference slate. So, you know, they kind of looked at it like a plus minus deal with home and a road and what games you should win at home. 
and kind of peg 12 wins is kind of where they needed to get to 11 or 12 wins to kind of get to from a conference standpoint to truly feel good about getting into the sec tournament. And uh, you know, so they kind of played with that number in mind of the, you know, there's not a whole lot of room for margin for error. And I think that helped in games like where you have to go to Ole Miss, right. They came off a tough Mm -hmm. loss to Mississippi state. You got to play like a, Tuesday night game at 6 p.m. on the road against a bad Ole Miss team. That's an easy game to kind of slip up and and, and lose and drop. But I think AM played with that kind of knowledge and mindset. That Ole Miss game could be the game that keeps you out of the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. And there's probably games in the past that, going back to the previous years, that uh, they had lost and they looked back on and thought, man, that, that game two years ago in Baton Rouge, if we, if they had closed out mm-hmm. that game in Baton Rouge where they were up late and kind of let things slip away in the last couple of minutes, if they win that game, they're probably in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. And so I think they kind of took that sort of attitude, but it also takes some things going right, right? Like they they stepped up big down the stretch to beat a team like Arkansas. They you know, struggled again with Tennessee, which proved to be has proven to be kind of a tough matchup. Um, you know, lost on the road to Kentucky, and they lost on the road to to, uh, to yeah. oh, they lost to Mississippi State. That's right. Then yeah. the other and who was red hot late in the season. So, mm-hmm. aside from that, they really just handled business and you know avoided any of those slip ups that you know a team might have during the course of a season. They were just super locked in because they they knew there wasn't a lot of margin for error. So so how disappointing was it to lose to Penn State in the first round? I mean, from a fan perspective and obviously a team perspective. Yeah, I think there was a lot of disappointment because I think there was the feeling of this team could make a run. And obviously, you know, to get through, to get to to the NCAA tournament for the first time under Buzz Williams and and break break a long street. And then, frankly, to be out of the game by halftime, they just shot the ball. Was just and you tip your hat to Penn State, right? Like they 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 shot the ball at a high rate. I think the fact that Texas was potentially looming in the second round was another part that kind of yeah. irked A and M fans that they didn't get that chance to play Texas. Uh, but you know, I think I think it was as much the manner in which they they, they were one of the hottest teams in the country entering the NCAA tournament. They had just gone to the SEC tournament for the second time in a row for this, the SEC tournament final for the second year in a row. And then to come out and frankly lay an egg in the SEC tournament or in the NCAA tournament, I think was just a disappointing way to end what was a really positive year and, and left fans with kind of wanting more and wanting that next step of, is, is this, is this a team that can make a run to a sweet 16 or, or potentially further? Cause you're not always going to get those opportunities. And I think they felt like, and state was kind of a good opportunity to maybe uh, make that run. And, and it didn't happen. Yeah. I think when, I think it was about February when me and Bruni kind of decided like this was the second best team in the sec. Like it kind of became clear at that point. Uh, The whole conference obviously was, was a little down top to bottom, but eventually you did have kind of a power nexus at the top um, with them, Bama and, at times, Arkansas, whenever they would they would want to show yeah. it, um, and Kentucky at sometimes. But uh, getting to kind of that disappointing exit, you know, like what 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 is the kind of overall feeling about last season because of that? You know, is it like do they see it as a disappointing season or do they see it as like 
optimism, knowing that basically everybody's back. You're running back a similar team. The conference still, as a whole still is kind of unstable. So like they could, there's, there is a world where, you know, AM comes out as the best team in the SEC. Um, you know, is, is, are they looking at it that way? Or are they looking at it as like, well, that was disappointing. Let's just kind of see what this year is with Buzz Williams. Yeah, I think they're looking at it from that that second angle, and you can you know you can argue whether that's fair or not compared mm-hmm. you know compared to you know where they are because you could argue you can make two arguments right you can make the argument that they've gotten progressively better the last two years they missed out on the NCAA tournament made the run to the NIT final and then come back the year after that and go fifteen and three in the SEC and and make the NCAA tournament. Now the counter argument that a lot of people have pointed out is that's now four years without an NCAA tournament victory with Buzz Williams. And so I think there's a little bit of, and he just, he just got the contract extension through 2028. So I think there's, there's kind of, I would say the, the hope that, okay, last year was nice. Now you need to take the next step and you need to Mm -hmm. kind of take that next step to the round of 32 and, and the sweet 16. Um, I think the way it ended probably has a little bit to do with that with, with fans kind of wanting more, but I mean, from, from an outsider perspective, I think there's, there's probably, you know, a lot that you can really feel good about the direction that this program's heading and, and that fans, you know, probably do want more and understandably so, but there was so much, there was so many positives to last year, right? You talk about the roster coming back, um, you know, four of their five starters are back. I thought they did a nice job replacing Dexter Dennis, which was kind of mm-hmm. the huge piece mm-hmm. that they had to replace this offseason. But the environment in the arena, the way the way that place was rocking against, you know, Auburn and against Arkansas, it hadn't been that way in the last couple of years. And so mm-hmm. I think I think the fan support and the kind of the way everybody kind of got behind that program. To me, I take that as a positive and I take that as something that A&M can really build on. Now I think they just want to see that postseason success, but you know, if they make a run this season to the sweet 16 or, you know, get to the round of 32 and are maybe a, a shot or two away from getting to the sweet 16, I think you'll see fans start to kind of, be more encouraged by the success that they've had. I just think they need to see more postseason results because sure. the Penn State loss kind of left a sour taste in everybody's mouth. Right. Yeah. It's so it's so difficult because it was such a roller coaster season where it starts yeah. down, then goes up, then comes abruptly to an end. It felt like. Um, and I think I think that's part of it, right? I think fans also want to see better results in the non-conference and that's something yeah. that AM's got to kind of a, a look at they've you know they've made some adjustments to scheduling um which has been encouraging this year there's the from what we've seen so far from the non-conference schedule it looks like they're scheduling a little you know tougher they've got a game against houston this year which is nice they're going to play yeah. smu they're going to play memphis um depaul's on the schedule and so you can see that there's efforts to you know, kind of beef up the schedule and, and, and have more of those non-conference games. But I think that goes to the angst as well as, you know, last two years ago, it was an eight game losing streak in the middle of conference play. And, you know, they made the nice run at the end of the season last year. It was kind of a rocky non-conference So I think fans also want to see kind of a consistent team. That's really good. It's going to probably start in the top 20 of this, this year again. And so I yeah. think fans kind of want to see a team that's, consistently really good throughout the year 
I think, well, I was going to say, do you think this is a team that's also like, you mentioned making the SEC championship two years in a row. This year, it feels like this is kind of, I don't want to say, again, not make or break, kind of a weird way to put it, but there has been that ceiling of getting to the top of the SEC and like like we saw how the championship game ended last year. Is this is this the year where it's like that's kind of out of the question in terms of like being acceptable, where it's like you have this core players who have been together for multiple years now, you have the all-conference first-team guy, you kind of have what you would theoretically need to win the conference. Now, I'm not saying he needs to go out and win it, but I'm, I would say, like, if they lose again by 18 or whatever to Alabama, you know, I, don't, I think that's a little bit more of a of a blemish, I think, than it would be in the past. No doubt. I think they want to be more competitive, and I think they do want to take that step. I think, mm-hmm. I think they really do feel like they have a roster that can compete in the SEC, and, uh, you know, they were a break or two the final week or so. I think – what Alabama was trailing big to South, Auburn. Uh, they went to overtime. Was but they, they had like a well after the whole Brandon Miller incident. Yeah. Then it was mm-hmm. like they started struggling with everybody. But yeah, um, but they they were you know they they were that game away or maybe a couple breaks here and there the final couple of weeks from having a winner take all game in College Station to close out the regular season and 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 win a share of the the SEC title. So I think to your point with with Radford back and with Wade Taylor and, you know, this is the last go around for Tyrese Radford, um, you know, and, and Wade Taylor's already going to be a junior. So, you know, at a certain point, is he going to start looking towards the, the NBA draft? And, and if he can take that next le- level and next step with a, with a good year, I really feel like this year's team does need to kind of take that step and, and be competitive. You know, if you, if you have a rough night, at Alabama and you lose by, by 18, you know, it, it's going to happen. But I do, I, I think to your point, I think fans do kind of expect this to be a team that can, that can challenge because, you know, you, this was part of the overall plan, right? This was when, mm-hmm. when, Buzz, when Buzz Williams put this team together after the rough COVID year that they had, when he went to Ross Bjork with the plan, the plan was to get guys out of the transfer portal that, they could keep for multiple years and develop into something. And that was the way they chose to kind of go about the transfer portal. And so, you know, Henry Coleman's now in his third year, Julius Marbles in his second, Tyrese Radford's in his third. I, they've got the pieces there that mm-hmm. I think you want to see that plan start to come together. And, and from an administration standpoint, they obviously definitely believe in him given the contract extension through 2028. They, they're, they're firmly very happy with the way things are going, but I think you do just want to see that next step. And, and I think the results of, I, I think the results have been really positive the last two years. They just kind of needed, like you said, kind of compete for the sec and, and really challenge and, and, and be consistent throughout. It's, it's interesting as we talk about, it, it's hitting me how much, I don't want to say finality there is with this group, but it's an old, old group here. I mean, Radford, <laughs> it's a veteran Coleman, group. Marble, yeah. Lawrence, Garcia, Hefner. These are all seniors. And then wait, it's a little, it's a little unheard of too. And kind of like today's yeah. well, yeah, like he's he's being able to hold on to those guys yeah, he's for that been able long. To keep these guys for multiple years. And then you bring up Wade Taylor. I think you're right. If he has a really good year this year, he can, he can definitely be in the NBA draft. So there is a sense of this is the year where, you have to win. You have to make it to the round of 32, I think, in the NCAA yes, tournament. Yes, I agree. And so and with 
with this group, it's very interesting to see how they approach it because what will fans and administration think if it's just a 10 and eight year in, con- in conference play or 11 and seven year where it's a good year, but they come in fourth in the conference and you know they win a couple of those non-conference games, but they don't win enough. And then they uh, make it as like a seven, eight seed in the tournament and maybe win one game or maybe don't win a game. That's what's going through my head right now of like, they actually, there's a lot of pressure on this group to, to achieve. There is. And, and it, it goes to kind of the argument last year, right? I think if you look at, you know, the 15 and three, run through the sec play i think from a fan's perspective the way they kind of looked at it is that should have been probably and you can make the argument that should have been probably a three or four seed in the ncaa tournament mm. and that's where the non-conference you know, comes back and that's where the non-conference yeah. kind of hurt them and and then you're you know you're looking at an easier matchup potentially in the first round or at least you know maybe you're playing a mid-major instead of a red hot penn state team that made a run at the end of the year to to kind of get in and so i think from that standpoint that's kind of the next step right can they get themselves a more favorable matchup in the first round where they set themselves up to potentially advance and and you know the bracket starts to set up well for them and i think i think you're right i think there is some some level of this is a, a really veteran team and and you know it is a little bit i, I don't want to say unheard of but, but a little bit rare when you look at a guy like manny obasaki right like he former fringe five-star that's had the patience to kind of wait his turn and, and hasn't necessarily been a starter his first two years, you know, in today's day and age, that kid's probably looking to enter the transfer portal and go look for immediate playing time, but he's stuck around and, and his back Hayden Hefner is now entering, I believe his fourth year on campus. So he's a veteran guy that is, has been around for a and and knows the system inside and out and, Buzz Williams really likes him in terms of a dependable guy off the bench. There's just, there's so much veteran leadership on this team that, you know, you, you hope that kind of starts to, and, and they're familiar with each other, right? Like they kind of know the rotation that works now. They know that Julius Marble and Henry Coleman up front gives you a really good combo. They felt like Anderson Garcia kind of clicked the second half of the year and kind of really understood, okay, I'm the guy that's going to take charges in the lane and that's going to be my, that's going to be my role is doing basically all the dirty work. It took him a minute to kind of get acclimated to playing under that system. So I think there is a sense of urgency and a sense of things need to kind of click right and, and go. And I don't think there's a reason to see that they can't be really, really good. I think it just needs to happen. Now, I, I do think it's interesting because we could talk about Eli Lawrence from Middle Tennessee mm-hmm. and um, a nice pickup. Bit. I think. Yeah, go ahead. What, what are your thoughts on him? I think it's a, I think it's a really nice pickup. You know, averaged kind of twelve. He averaged twelve point two points, four point one re- rebounds per game, and and I think with both him and Jace Carter, they both bring that length at the guard position. You know, that's kind of the thing that everybody seems to kind of be targeting this in this day and age is that kind of that length at the wing position. And they've given themselves a couple guys that they can do that. The number one priority this off season was to replace Dexter Dennis. And I think they've given themselves, you know, they kind of went for a couple guys. They went, they were in on Tremont Mark who went to, went to Arkansas obviously. And, and we're in on him. They were in on some other guys, but I think they've gotten, really they had one big hole to fix and they 
they've gone out and added, I think, two guys and in, in him and Jace Carter, who had 16 points, average 16 points and seven rebounds per game last season and didn't shoot it great, but, you know, took that nice step forward as another guy that has multiple years of eligibility remaining. I think they've taken, I think they've got two guys that they can really, you know, depend on. And, and, and one of them, you've got to feel pretty good about being able to step into that starting role. And I think of the two, I think Eli Lawrence probably ends up starting, but uh, you know, I, th- I think he can add a lot. Yeah. That middle Tennessee team was good last year too. I uh, want, I mean, really they, they should have beaten FAU in the conference USA tournament. They ever had a mm-hmm. ton of chances and couldn't beat FAU, but anyways, that's a good middle Tennessee team. I'm excited for that. Um, is there anything else on the men's side before we jump to the women? Uh, no, no. Yeah. I think I'm good on there. All right. Yeah, I think um, to middle Tennessee on your point, they had the kid that went to Memphis too. They, mm-hmm. they had another guard. That that's a true. That's Memphis. a good one. And so, yeah. You know, they, they were really good last year. And I think it's just a question of how do those guys jump up to the, the next level, right? Like they're going to have to jump up to the SEC level and be able to play. And so I think that's just the big question mark. Mm-hmm. Um, now it was Joni Taylor's first year on mm-hmm. the women's side. Um, obviously it was a rebuild year where she had it. Um, Janaya Barker, number three player in the country, and then uh, Sydney Bowles. And then it was kind of that weird transition process where it's like you still have the players from the last regime, and so you have to like still play them, obviously. But then yeah, you know, now they're out for the most part, and then she brings in her own. Just what are the overall impression, your impressions of Joni Taylor, and obviously just what did the fans think of her uh, so far? Yeah, I think there's the, I think everybody kind of understood this might be a rebuild year, right? Like last year was going to be playing a lot of young players and and that was something that happened under Gary Blair's last year as well and and those two kind of talked about it may not be you know, it may not be the best note for Gary Blair to go out his final year playing a lot of young players, but I think he also understood it was going to be better for the long-term future of the program to play you know, those younger players and get them experience. And I think you have some nice building blocks now to turn to. Janiah Barker obviously is is a is a really nice piece and and had some really nice success and obviously led the team last year in scoring and got hurt during conference play and, and that's when you saw this team really struggle. But I think when she was on the court, they were they were pretty competitive. Uh, you know, they didn't they they kind of lost a lot of those those close games, but uh, nice piece to build on. Like you said, Sydney Bowles is another nice piece. I think the thing that's been impressive, she's recruited really well. You know, when you mm-hmm. look at the transfer portal class and you look at the high school recruiting, uh, you know, it's a couple more top 100 players coming in from the high school front and then really crushed it in the transfer portal this year. And that's, I think, the interesting part. You know, you bring in um, Aisha Kulabali from, uh, from Auburn, uh, you bring in India Rogers from India Rogers. Oregon. You bring in Kendall Hunter from Texas, and you bring in Lauren Ware for some size up yep. front. But Kulabali, you know, averaged 16 points, six and a half rebounds, 2.7 assists. That's a really nice addition to the roster. And I think you start to feel like, okay, you've got a dependable score. You're starting to add some more guards with experience at the college level um, to the roster. I think this feels more like a roster that can compete and can kind of hang because the sec is really good though and that's the, that's the tough part right is like to win in the sec i mean it's when you look at what lsu is doing and, and they just reloaded after their national championship and south carolina is really good and 
you know, Tennessee's really good. And it's just like yeah. what you're going to have to go through to have success is, is kind of the next challenge, I think, for this team. Yeah, the only the only question I kind of had was it has to be like humbling for because you mentioned the atmosphere on the men's side were and yeah. similar for Reed when the women's when the women's team just two, three years ago, you know, Reed Arena was one of the best places to play. And it has to be humbling to kind of have to go through this two year, possibly three year rebuild where you know for the better the program for the future, it kind of has to go through this, but you still realize like, okay, I'm gonna watch Janai Barker get doubled while she kicks it out to somebody, you know, until this year, this year, they're gonna be better. But last year, yeah. you know, she's going to kick it out to somebody who's just not going to be a good shooter to hit a three, you know, like it's got to be tough. humbling to, yeah. Because to, to, you're used to seeing this team compete and like compete in the SEC and make the second weekend of the tournament. And it's like, okay, you're probably, probably another year or two away from doing that kind of stuff. <laughs> and, you know, and this, this goes for, for every fan base. So it's not unusual, but there's very much, a short-term, you know, mindset for fans. Fans want to, mm-hmm. fans want to see teams win. And then, yeah. and a rebuild can oftentimes be tough and it can be, it can be difficult to, to kind of go through that. And cause you, especially with a program like A&M that just had so much success under, under Gary Blair. And so, you know, for his final year to end on, on kind of a tough note. And then this past year, to you know to kind of go through that first year i think a lot of people are excited about what joni taylor's doing but it doesn't make it any easier when you know it's just night after night it's just tough and and you're like you said you're watching janiah barker get double teamed and you know she misses some times with the injury and and you know you're you're having to kind of go through those growing pains with a with a young team it's you're not used to it and and with the transfer portal now i think fans kind of believe that you can go out and and you know load up in the transfer portal to compete really really quickly but mm-hmm. i think you want to have that first year at least to figure out okay what young players do you want to build around and i think a&m's got a good idea now of these are the players that bought into our culture in 12 months because you got to give them a chance right you got to give right. players a chance to it's not going to happen overnight they're not going to you know, jump right in and immediately mesh with everything you say and, and, and play immediately to your standard, there's going to be an adjustment period. And so I agree with you. I think it's been tough the last two years, you know, to, to kind of go from being a team that was atop the SEC just like three years ago to all of a sudden now going through a complete rebuild. It's, it's, and watching team, watching a team like LSU win the national championship, you know, and, and obviously, you know, the, the, the rivalry between A&M and LSU is, is definitely there. And so, you know, to watch them go through that, I think there's a hope that this year they can start to take that next step forward. Yeah, yeah I, I think they'll I think they'll be in contention around that six, seven, eight range. Uh, I, yeah. The top four is kind of solid. Four or five is probably solidified. But around after that, I think there's a real chance they jump into that, that mix. So I think that'd yeah. be a really good step up for them. And I think that'd be a positive, right? Like yeah. if, you're, if you're showing that you can compete – and if you're showing you know, that you're you're you people want to fans want to see development and so if, if they're taking a step forward and they're more competitive and you can kind of take that thought of okay we're maybe one to two more pieces away from really being able to compete i think i think that's that that would be considered a positive for a&m heading into this next year yep well i all right man that's all we got um I yeah did- thanks for having me I was in I was in College Station watching uh, the Adidas AAU 
uh, circuit and mm-hmm. I look over and Gary Blair was sitting there just watching. <laughs> just chilling. I, I was just like, chilling. He's, I, was, I was like, okay. He's still very much around the program, which is kind of, it's kind of cool how that's, that's kind of gone about, but you know, he's, he's really close to Buzz Williams. He's at a ton mm-hmm. of the men's games. He's at a ton of the women's games, still playing golf out there a bunch. Uh, you know, obviously names, names on the court. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's. I think that's been a. It's been a pretty smooth transition. He's a. He's a really good guy. He's a really good man, and I. I know a lot of A and M fans really love him. Yeah, I think A uh, and M actually got a commit from one of the kids he was watching. So I don't. You know, there you go. There you they, go. He's still. He's, he's, he's still working his magic. Still got it. Still got it. <laughs> he's still got, got it. it. All right, Andrew. Uh, we appreciate you for coming on, man. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, y'all can follow uh, Andrew Hatterley's work at um, Gigum Two Four Seven uh obviously uh this has been a busy uh off season and will be a busy mm-hmm. year football basketball baseball had had a run was close but was close. um yeah, yeah it's been fun never stops right it always keeps going <laughs> never cruising season goes through june and then you're right into the summer months and it just it just rolls on yep exactly but um yeah if you're listening on the audio side leave us a five-star rating review if you're watching on youtube uh you can leave a like comment share and subscribe We appreciate y'all for joining us. We will talk to y'all later.